Welcome to the interview series by Ilona Selke. Today we have a very interesting guest. Uh, I will ask you to pronounce your name Silana. And uh, Silana, I, yes. yes, I got the first part right. And uh, I wanted to introduce you first to our audience about the subject today that we're going to cover, which is super interesting. It's on near-death experiences. Um, past life karma and how it affects our current life and what we can do about it. And then it also, uh, how we deal with regrets, pains, uh, things that we might've done wrong in the past, how they affect our subconscious, our self-esteem and how we can create a more confident self and a loving self and create the future of our dreams. And you are about to write a book, Silana, on your near-death experience. I was privy to uh, some of the PDF pages, excerpts from your book. And I'm super, super, super excited to talk with you about your insights. And also how some of our and your insights, our in doved, our experiences dovetail. So I'd like to then also go into some dialogue about that because I have guided other people through past life regressions who've had similar experiences so uh, you live in Colorado right now you're in the Colorado mountains with snow around you and I'm talking to you from the Ganges River yes I'm here in India the yeah. Ganges River is right yeah right behind me big roaring Ganges River in Rishikesh in the place where Maharishi Yogesh uh, met the Beatles or the Beatles met him and um I want to beg for forgiveness to begin with because our internet connection is from rural Colorado to rural India. So we're doing our best here with 4G that we have. So Silana, yes. thank you very much for taking the time tonight uh, because for me it's in the morning, for you it's at night, uh, to speak with me here on oh, the subject of your near-death experience and what we can learn from your experience. So maybe you can initiate us by describing um, who you were prior your, to your near-death experience and what you think led to that point. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Well, I would say that I had, you know, I have referred to my near-death experience as my Anita Morjani experience. I think many people are familiar with her. Uh, and Anita wrote a book called Dying to Be Me. Yes, yes. And uh, she had had a, a four-year battle with cancer, and she entered into a coma and had a near-death experience. This was in about 2006. And I was fascinated with her story because I resonated so much with it. And she spoke about um, what she learned on her journey which is that she learned that her only purpose in life was to be the a full expression of herself and to love herself to the core of her being and to share her heart and soul with the world without fear. And she was shown the reason for her cancer, which was a lack of self-love. Mm. And my experience prior to, to um, my near-death experience was well, wait, wait, uh, wait. very much wait, one second. wanting well, wait. the most magical yeah. part of that story is the ending isn't it what happened after she came out of her yeah. death experience yes exactly exactly now she yeah i was gonna yeah mm. i mentioned that that she um 
she had this realization about why she got sick. And she saw this, it was not just a lack of self-love, it was really um, part of that was just putting all everyone's needs before her own. So she lived in this constant state of fear and all of her decisions were made from a fearful state. And when she had this realization, um, she, she came back with this, this greater understanding. She was really transformed. And within weeks, her cancer was miraculously gone, disappeared. Wow. And ever since she's been sharing with the world. Yes. So, yeah. so her cancer disappeared and she came back mm -hmm. with a realization that she needed to have more self-love and love, it just radiate love instead of trying to please others. Wow. Exactly. Profound. Instead of trying to please others. And exactly, totally profound. And in her words, she said, love is not a luxury. It's a necessity. And we must love ourselves as though our lives depend on it because they do. This is, these words are, are so powerful. And I remember hearing her story and thinking, wow. I need to take this deep into myself and really get this. And I remember, well, so I, I, I said that I resonated with her experience because I also had this, all of my life, this sense of needing the approval of others, always considering what other people thought or felt before considering what I felt mm. and feeling very much that um, if, if, somebody was not i think i lived in fear of of disappointing others and also needing others approval and we know that this is actually a very dangerous place to live in in terms of not only our health but our emotional state and mm -hmm. it's it's really it doesn't allow us to fully enjoy ourselves and our lives and as much as I had always been on a spiritual path and always was working toward, um, you know, greater states of being and, and expressing myself and had remembered past lives as a child and had this connection, a very deep connection, there was this underlying sense of I'm not okay all my life. I'm not okay. And looking to others for to be okay with myself. Yeah. So that's really where I was. And it, yes. And this caused me to very much withhold my gifts um, as an intuitive medium to kind of stay hidden and mm -hmm. to really diminish myself and my worth. So that was something I was used to. And you know, I'm smiling there. with a big grin right now because of what I know is coming. The amazing realization and where that imprint came from in your realization is, is profound. So the desire to stay hidden and not to be seen and to feel like one is maybe not good enough or is seeking for approval from others. I'm sure a lot of people, especially yes. women can resonate with in our Western world, especially where babies are not yeah. loved and raised and given the feeling that they're the apple of the eye of their family. So. Wow. So that's just all remember that. But your case is particularly exciting in a way. 
uh, because of your remembrance that you went through in your near-death experience that made then a lot of sense why you would even feel like trying to hide out. Yes, and even a fear of being recognized. I realized that that's really what it was. I didn't want to be recognized. There was always, don't look at me, was always that, always there, don't recognize me. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. (laughs) Where that came from. That's like a mystery novel right now unraveling. Yes, because it has a profound past life (laughs) source. Okay, all right. It does. People can hopefully relate to. Yes. Yes. So keep going with your story. So now you are living that way. And then let's just fast forward a little bit into the exciting part of the story, because a lot of the thoughts that come afterwards, we want to discuss as to what people can do then in order to get themselves out of potentially a similar situation. Yes. Okay, great. So uh, fast forward to the day of the near-death experience. Shall we go right there? Okay. Um, Okay. So I was on the phone and I recall suddenly realizing that I had tremors, that my hands were trembling. And I thought that was odd. And then I suddenly became exhausted to the point that I could barely hold the phone. And I felt like my body was just melting. I began to um, have trouble breathing. I remember just sinking to the floor and telling the person, I have to call you back. And I felt as if the life was draining right from my body. My heart was racing uh, out of control. So I was having trouble breathing and then speaking and then functioning. And I realized I was in trouble. I was alone. And I thought, I have got to call the ambulance there is no choice here because i don't know what's going on but i'm starting to lose consciousness okay so i called the ambulance and they arrived and they they uh gave me oxygen and they um put me on a monitor and determined that my heart was racing dangerously fast and they had to get me to the emergency room right away and so while I was in the ambulance, I, <clears throat> I started to drift sort of out of my body. And I had this sense that I could hear my mind in the, its absolute terror of death. I've never been consciously afraid of death. I've always mm. felt that, you know, when faced with death, It would be okay. But the truth was, it was not. (laughs) I was truly terrified. And I thought the way that I was feeling in terms of disassociating from my body, not feeling body parts anymore, I was completely numb in probably most all my extremities, couldn't feel my hands, my feet, Um, this, this sort of tingling all through my head area was growing into like a sense of, um, buzzing and numbness and I just thought I was being pushed right out of my body Mm. and that's actually what happened (laughs) Um, I left my body and I entered into the very expanded awareness Mm -hmm. and I use the term near-death experience 
experience or out-of-body experience um, to categorize it. Um, I did not experience a tunnel of light, as mm -hmm. many people report, um, but I did shift instantaneously to another place, and it was very familiar to me what in was essence. It? What was it? I, it was a spaciousness that was of complete and utter love and sense of belonging, and I was completely devoid of fear. And, you know, that sense of you don't realize the absence, you don't realize the presence of something until it's absent. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't realized how fear had been a constant companion for me until it was gone. Oh. And I was completely, completely fearless. And it was known, it was assumed that the physical experience is a temporary creative exploration and the real being our true selves are eternal and cannot be harmed in any way so i really i saw my life as a movie and my human self is playing a role it's a it was a wonderful movie a, a wondrous creation and i saw that i was able to get a hand in creating it and participating in it. And I felt this sense of that there was an infinite nature to the divine and to all beings, um, that the whole was always creating, always extending itself. Yes. And we're a part of that. So we're always constantly growing and learning from all life. So there was that awareness that my participation in this creative exploration was important, it was valuable, it was honored, it was celebrated, and I understood that we're partners with the universe, or yeah. God, in creative exploration, yes. So from this higher perspective, there was no judgment about anything that was done as part of this experiential adventure. Okay. Not, no judgment, yeah. And so I had this sense of having other lives or experiences in other worlds and dimensions. And I felt that I was some, somehow transferring my experience to the whole in yes. kind of like a feedback loop. Yes. So yes. I knew that my experiences yes. were yes. being given to the whole. And then the whole was giving back this acknowledgement to me. Oh, like, thank you. Thank, yes. you, thank yes. you, yes, yes, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. And there was this unforgettable joy of being that was so fundamental and so familiar. And I recognized it as our natural state, yes. joy. That was it. And, and it, yes, and it was absolutely known and understood that there is only one source of love. That yes. there is only God or source loving itself through us and becoming conscious of itself through all of these different fractal expressions of itself. So all of this is happening in this beautiful spaciousness that I moved into. And then all of a sudden I'm back in my body. I'm drawn back in and I feel this constriction around my throat and I recall reaching up 
and expecting to feel something around my neck, but there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And I know that the paramedic is watching me, you know, and he knows that something is going on and he's trying to uh, sort of monitor, you know, looking at the heart and, and trying to make sure that I'm not dying. <laughs> you know, I was drifting out but I, pretty far, but when I came back, um, I was aware of my mind, my human mind's fear. It was like a little child trying to get the attention of an adult, like, hey, hey, listen to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And the mind, would say the small ego mind, uh, was trying to take ownership of my experience. Mm. It was trying to give me the illusion of being a separate self and carrying the burden of life all alone, right? And that's what it does. <laughs> So there was this tug of war between my, my, my human mind and my true self or higher self, which was just being, this was the true eternal self, which had always been there, just sort of watching the movie. And each time the fear crept in, I heard a line from a poem by the Persian poet Hafiz. Mm. And I, I, I remember hearing this poem probably once in my life. Now this poem came in, and you remembered it right like a then. little melody. Whoa! Yes, and in that moment, yes, and I'm going to read it. In that moment, okay. these words came through, a little melody, and it said, "The beloved, with his own hands, is tending, raising like a precious child himself in you." So. My mind grasped onto these words. Yes, so beautiful. Wow, I have chills down to my and I legs. Heard <laughs> repeating. <laughs> uh, it was it was so profound, and I heard these words raising like a precious child himself in you, and I hung on to those words like a lifeline, and every time the fear waves would come oh my god am i gonna die oh my god am i gonna die i would hear raising like a precious child himself in you and i would hang on so it was between my mind and this the words Mm. yes faster and faster and just coming and coming and coming and i i knew that these words were charged with a current of energy Mm -hmm. that was designed to activate this this higher knowing within me and I understood that. And so each time the fear came, I repeated the words until they became who I was. Mm. Mm. And I understood the beloved God is raising like a precious child itself in all of us. And that's the fractal nature of the source energy, that we are fractals of the one. Yeah. And I knew that I was not the thinker. It wasn't the thinker of the fearful thoughts. So I had compassion for that tiny part of me. Mm. And at that moment, a voice said the same, felt like the same voice that said, you know, the words of the poem also said, why don't you enjoy being you? Beautiful. That was the question. Why don't you enjoy being you? And it was, (laughs) from 
Uh, <laughs> yes. Just, I, you know, I mean, okay, keep going. I'll be sharing a few thoughts later on. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. And I realized that I had spent all of my life not enjoying this gift of being you, of just being me. It seemed so wasteful and so absurd and without cause. <sighs> and so my, my awareness was then drawn. This was the life review part that people talk about, right. which is right. amazing because it truly is a life review and it can happen in uh, no time. And so my awareness was drawn to this image of myself and it was, there was a shadow covering one side of my face mm. and I understood that part of me was in hiding, was unable to fully accept the love that Horace had for me because I hadn't forgiven myself for certain acts that I participated in many lifetimes ago that had harmed others. When I say others, I mean a lot of others. <laughs> and I still carry guilt and shame. And I know you relate to this, Ilona. And um, yeah, that this, I do want to get into, of, I mean, you know, uh, it is especially important in this very moment in our modern world, which is engaging in some of that same similar act of exactly. uh, influencing exactly. creation. So could you tell us a little bit at this point what the guilt was about? What did you do? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, in a very ancient times, uh, it felt like a prehistory. I saw that I had come to Earth from another planet. Um, and I was, quote, I guess, alien, uh, looked very different than um, Do you recall what humans, you looked like? Do you say, but do you, what did you I look like? Long, I had a very long forehead, a very high forehead. Um, I was very tall and I knew that I had light hair and um, very uh, pale mm -hmm. skin. I just remembered this sense of, the elongation mm -hmm. of the body mm -hmm. and that I was towering over what we would consider, you know, normal human height. Mm -hmm. um, there was a sense of deity being kind of like a deity in that sense of the, the physical presence and the biology. Um, and is that, does that, do you resonate with that? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell, I'll sh yes, I'll <laughs> share. I have, yeah, I have, uh-huh. Okay, yes, keep going. So um, we had, I knew that we genetically created and um, engineered uh, and enslaved races on earth in order to benefit from their labor. So um, we had genetically engineered slaves that were created to mine gold for our spacecrafts and other minerals that we needed resources for our planet and for our spacecrafts. And I knew that I saw that there was some kind of an uprising and I had been, I was standing on sort of a pedestal and I like a raised platform and there was just a sea of dark skinned people. These were, I think the slaves 
and there was there it was an uprising in the sense of I could hear like the cacophony of their their voices all crying out at once in rebellion. And I knew that there was a tremendous wave of anger and um, really um, both envy and anger and um, resentment and and wanting to um, get back at us kind of sense of get back at those who had enslaved them. And the sense I had was that um, that I had never gotten over the feeling of being the target or I had all of this, this wave of anger being directed at me mm-hmm. and it, it really created an impact. And I knew that in subsequent lifetimes, I had also then tried to balance that karma and had actually been helping human beings Mm -hmm. and i believe i was at that point um potentially uh well what ended up happening is i remember being impregnated with um the the alien race that i was part of wanted to punish me and so i was impregnated and then i had to give birth and i knew somehow that that birth was such a painful ordeal for me and they abandoned me on the planet to have birth by myself. And I saw that at this the time my head was shaved and I was left. And I think I believe I died in childbirth. Wow. Because it was so painful. And but so you were, horrific. you were of the alien race, but you were still of the alien body race impregnated and being yes. a, creating a hybrid. Yes. Being one of the birthing exactly. mothers. Exactly, punishment, yes. And subsequently, exactly. Yes. And, and may I mention, subsequently, yes. continuously reincarnating on Earth, or I would imagine, exactly. since you're here now, exactly, absolutely, absolutely. So and, uh, in in having even, in having generated the beginning of that story, this moment in time is a continuation of that engagement. Yes. Exactly. It's a continuation. Yes. And the, the final piece of that birth trauma was that I was also shown that in my last lifetime, which was in World War II in Germany, that I died in childbirth as well, but I didn't have to die. I had so much trauma around surrounding birth that it was a difficult birth and I was bleeding quite profusely. And I decided that I had lost my will to live. So I consciously willed myself to die. And so there was a karma connected to willing my own death. Mm -mm. So in this experience, what I was being shown is I actually have to choose to live and I have to choose. I have to reignite my will to live. Yes. And I have to, truly value the gift of life and to own my life to step in to stand up for my life yes and do and do what with all the burden of guilt and feeling regret what to do with that yes well that was 
that took care of itself in what I'll share next, that was the beautiful part, the, the essence of this whole experience, um, is what I saw was that there was no punishment, that there wasn't, God wasn't punishing me. There was no outside force um, directing any kind of blame or judgment toward me. It was all self-imposed. And I was withholding my power as a result of this lack of self-forgiveness. And because I still believed on some level, it was unconscious, but I still believed that I needed to be punished for my involvement in this certain part of history. And, um, and yet, as I was shown this sort of, um, like looking through a book, you know, pages in a book, it was known to me that all souls play roles in every of every kind every kind of role you can imagine in any movie you've ever seen we have been all of these we've played these roles over millions and millions of lifetimes in order to gain valuable experience and to grow and learn from each other and it's always about love it's always learning love versus power and yet there was no judgment whatsoever about any of these creative explorations in this movie. Um, and so I knew that my experiences served the whole, but then I was shown that I had, there were two paths that I could follow. One was to continue living in the shadow of guilt and withholding the expression of my whole being the other path was to forgive myself and to allow the full expression of my being. It was like to be or not to be. This was how simple it was. And because suddenly the only context for evaluating my life was whether I was allowing the divine God to love itself and express itself through me. Yes, itself through you. That was it. Exactly. If we and were to we make a new religion, yeah, that's what we need to do. It's just yeah. realizing. I mean, I would yeah. like to summarize yeah. it and make each of the Beautiful. points that you've made into very clear statements because there is the ultimate truth, I think. In near-death experiences, we, of course, filter it through the beliefs we currently carry, but you have some very fundamental, broad overviews that are universal. And I think if we can discuss them in a moment and pull out the nuggets, we can create yeah. a ladder of ascension for us without the accoutrement of religious details. I do realize some people need more yeah. ladders than others. And so, but I'd like to just get down yeah. to the bare bones of how this universe is set up, yeah. how it operates and how we can move yeah. forward within that. So yeah, awesome. So beautiful. Thank so, you. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah, so continue oh, then. Gosh, you yes. went, yes, so you went then into, in relationship to your past, did you like go back in your heart and say, I forgive myself, I accept myself, or did you just say, no more judgment, I don't, whatever that was that was, I am here now to love, what did you do with the past memory and actions that you felt you had still memory of? Well, that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, so if I go back to that um, sort of, I, I, yeah, the experience, um, it, was, it was a realization 
that was about accepting the truth, the truth that I had never been guilty of anything. It's like that part of us that says we were never really born. There's a part of us that it's all been a, a movie in that sense. And not to say that it's illusion and therefore it's not real. It's valuable experience. But who we are, who we truly are in our essence, is always in that stillness always exist in that stillness, in that eternity of, I would say, the heart of God. Mm -hmm. And it was an acceptance of that. And then a sort of bringing in, into that spiritual understanding, that part of myself that, that was holding on to this, this guilt and loving it and loving it and embracing that wound as a precious part of my experience that I could give to the whole. So it was loving it, loving it, not fighting it, not being at war with it, but loving it. And as I did that, that constriction around my neck released. And I realized that it, it had always been there. You could say throat chakra, a fear of speaking my truth, of being myself. That's It just lifted. Yes, and it never came back. That is awesome. It was, it, it's in, in essence, you had a mini version of self-forgiveness or accepting the love of God. Like in Christianity, people do it by accepting Jesus into their lives or offering themselves, yes. believing that one being the child of God has already died for your sins. So no longer do we need to hold on to past yes. life sins. And that is an interesting contribution to the whole belief of karma. You know, in one instance, you can say, I accept the love of God and move forward in love and forgiveness of others and thereby can let go of whatever karmic restraints there were. But I did ask you because uh, we and um, although love and forgiveness can set us free to create freedom in freedom, everything, we nevertheless are in a resonant pattern in relationship to our past. We don't have to make it a burdensome experience, but I do think that our presence here now is yeah. uh, a step sequence in relationship to what we started before, and we will create a step forward sequence from where we're yeah. now, depending on what we're capable of creating and paying forward now. Mm, beautiful, beautiful, yes. And I, I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, and I think that there's, there was another awareness that I had, which was that I knew that the divine had infinite love and compassion mm. for me. And yeah. even that the whole had admiration for all of my experiences and my wounds, shall we say. Mm -hmm. um, it was known that it takes tremendous courage to incarnate on earth mm -hmm. and to face the trials that we face. And it's, it is truly, we're seen as those who incarnate here on earth are seen as very courageous. And I really saw that. And, and I, I recognize that um, our wounding is truly, as Rumi says, the wound is where the light enters. 
and where the co-creative process i mean well, well exactly either the wound our, our wound becomes our stepping stone into a greater, greater expression because we will learn and love more whatever we can learn to love will become our evolutionary opening to the next level yes, right I, well, exactly. yeah tell me share with me that your perspective on that i thought you had written in your book a beautiful metaphor that people have heard about the gilded um repair just share that with us because i think it's yeah. a beautiful metaphor Okay, so um, in terms of kintsugi, um, which is the art of repairing broken pottery, it's the ancient Japanese practice, um, which kintsugi literally means to mend with gold. And uh, the art of repairing broken pottery with precious metal, such as gold, it's uh, to join the pieces together. And so it treats brokenness and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something that we need to disguise. Like a lot of us, you know, we have wounding, we want to put armor over it. And then we develop all these, you know, compensations to try to hide what's beneath. And in fact, um, in Kintsugi, the golden cracks make the pieces even more valuable than the original product. So um, it centers on turning that brokenness into beauty. And that's what Rumi suggests, you know, the wounded it's the opening where the light enters. So I now recognize that everything is perfectly flawed in order to allow transformation to occur. So there's this constant urge that we talked about forward into newness, into new outcomes. Yes. And that occurs through the reconciliation of opposites. Exactly. Because we know that the crap, there you go. Yeah. It, it can't exist without this coming yeah. In the, in the mm -hmm. moment where you can reconcile the past and see it in equanimity as no longer being a polarized thing to which you avoid and or strive towards, but something you can hold in your consciousness with compassion. In that moment, you can merge that level of duality. It's always levels of duality into unity and become the combined expression, the master being of that yes. duality which requires the loving acceptance of whatever duality the darkness and the light contained with that level of past or expression of reality into the unified whole that you are now greater than you ever were before exactly. yeah beautiful beautiful exactly because it's that joining and that fusion of the noble and the base components just like in alchemy yes. into gold that is it. So if we're trying to disguise and hide our wounds and we're at war with our wounds, we're never going to get it. Exactly. So that's, that's where it wow. goes. Yes. Into gold. I work with the teachings, uh, techniques that were developed by Dr. Vern Wolf um, in the transformation of issues, which I had a very similar experience to you when I was in my late 20s, and which is why I loved your story so much. Because, well, so just to summarize your story, in your near death experience, you hit upon two most important things in my point of view is one, the recognition that there is the great oneness, which the part is part of, but yet it's a love affair between the whole and the part, right? It's the whole 
and the part reflecting the love to each other. It's like the whole loves the child. And that generates the new. Yes. And that allows... And yes, so that allows that allows the whole to expand or reflect itself anew in very many different creative nuances and fractals of new designs. And those fractals get to re re reveal themselves to the whole and in that union with the source, experience the most blissful self-realization that it is part of the whole but yet it is the part playing the creative hands and eyes of god yes so beautiful and that part then replicates the same process which is service yes 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 so that acceptance <laughs> oh my god so that then that love and yeah. self-acceptance that arose in you allowed you to forgive any parts of where you might have um in that culture that's what we did right we currently have a culture mm -hmm. where we're thinking it's okay to do genetic experimentation to use embryotics to use this and that to create hybrids and we might go as far as creating trans uh um not transgender uh, 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 merged technology with human kind of hybrids mm -hmm. and we're we're gonna you know we're yeah. gonna try and do our best to play god and use as yes. much as we can maybe resources from other planets and asteroids we're already talking about. Let us imagine we find monkeys mm -hmm. on another planet. What would we do? Might we get the idea to influence their genetic evolution to come up to standard to help us out a little bit? Would they really mind in our conception of reality? Maybe they're just monkeys anyways. We're just giving them a little bit more brain. And now they're becoming creatures that can give us what we need. Hey, we're helping them out. So uh, would we do the same thing? And I tell you what, I'm going to ask you a question. You said there was no right or wrong as such. There was only love and beingness and self-acceptance and expression of love. Now, if you were put in the same situation to be that geneticist, mm -hmm. to be in that race or that could create and manipulate genetics on another planet to serve us, our ailing earth, to survive and our species to survive, what would you say now? Knowing what you know now, what would you do? That's a great question. I would say no, because having had the experience of knowing the effects and the consequences and the awareness that there is no other, all that we do, we do to ourselves. And perhaps because of that experience, maybe that is why I'm able to say that now. Yes. But I would not repeat it. I would not repeat it because then it is in vain, the wisdom. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. So would you say, if I were to ask you, does the fractal that reflects creative energy and reflecting God's arms and hands, does, is there evolution in that fractal? Let's say the individual soul particle, is there evolution of that? Is there wisdom that is gained? I believe there is wisdom, but I believe it's an awakening 
okay. to who and what we already are, mm -hmm. who and what we already are. But there and is a change perhaps, or a, like you would say now you would act differently, but it boils down to what are my actions now? What are my values now? So you would say that you that you were, let's say, in ancient history compared to now, you've learned as that seed, that seed of soul, a fractal of God to make different choices. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do see that. I do see that trajectory that you're mm -hmm. talking about. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to acknowledge and, and to, you know, frame our entire, all of our experiences in terms of an evolutionary journey, mm -hmm. because it is mm -hmm. even, you know, perhaps saying that awakening to what already is, um, maybe that's just semantics. Maybe it really it, I do I do see it as awakening to what already is, but it's also a journey and we have to honor the journey and the steps along the way. And that's why it's, we don't have the capacity with our human minds to judge what is right or wrong for anyone because God, source is allowing all of this to occur simultaneously, the full spectrum of experience. And if that were not okay, you know, it wouldn't be happening. Wouldn't be ha exactly. Yeah. So the evolution and the discovery of the new is maybe, and the remembrance of what already is, or the re reconnecting to the source. Let's just say the source containing the infinite wisdom. Uh, however, the fractal being able to partake in it by reflecting back to God, by referencing itself to God, but yet being responsible for the individual expression that it is, right? So it's a beautiful yeah. paradox of yeah. evolution to reflect into the source that apparently yes. has all the wisdom, but maybe it in and of itself is either, you can say evolving, or is i was going to say the word rejoicing in or or alive in that reflection of the love of itself as the fractal and the fractal of itself as the whole yes okay yes uh, rejoicing is actually a, a wonderful choice of word mm. um because i've i've had this experience before of that what is painful or difficult for the mind, the human mind, there is this sense of rejoicing from soul consciousness because where there is growth, evolution, awakening, however we want to term it, um, there is that is valued within itself. However, we arrive there, it is valued, and I don't. Yeah, it's it's not a concern. And you heard that term, the awful grace of God, that it's the awful grace, it's grace, and it's maybe awful on the very on the human level. Because all possibilities are permitted in order for individuation to even exist. Otherwise there wouldn't be any particle. Particle by nature is is separated, right? Exactly. And it's right. 
So we yeah, actually it's, it's, have the awful freedom in a sense, you know, we, we suffer the option yeah. to evolve or not to evolve. To yes, live exactly. To, and I to, mm, go ahead. Yes. And you know, to evolve or not to evolve, we suffer that we suffer the freedom and you mentioned self-responsibility. Yeah. And I think that is a core aspect to all of this is that we are given this amazing freedom and yet it's within a structure of growing into self-responsibility that all of our actions we realize truly have a reaction and this is a ripple through creation through right. all through the whole yeah. and um you know I, I have this i had this memory my whole life and i, I may, if i may share just briefly um the memory i had since childhood is of being a slave, a woman, a young woman, a slave somewhere in the South. Um, I believe it was perhaps around um, the 1700s. And I remember 1800s probably. Mm. Um, and I remember being put into a small shed and there was only a tiny window. And I stared out of this window with the hope that someone would come and rescue me. Mm. And I remember the feeling of hopelessness that there was no future for me because I belonged to someone. I had a master and I was just kept in this small shit for most of my life. And so when you consider all that we've been through, the full spectrum of human experience that contains everything, um, well, we could say we're victims or we could say we're the oppressor. Right. None at some point it just becomes a matter of whatever experience we need in order to awaken. Well, and especially and if, I, if it involves Yeah. You know, go ahead go ahead. Well, just finish your sentence. Uh, just my, my Yeah. So the the experience of of seeing how I had been involved in enslaving others, it makes sense that I would also be this enslaved. young girl slave. Yeah. yeah. It's just part that's, of the, the dance. Yeah. Hilarious. So yeah. I, and mm -hmm. that's what we all need to consider now, wherever we find ourselves, ask yourself, are you creating, are you paying it forward? Because if you do, you create a better wave, a positive wave ahead of you. If you're in, uh, in burdening others, are you in creating a sort of negative karmic credit card for the future? Uh, then, of course, you'll have to pay that off. You know, I mean, credit cards have to be paid off sooner or later. And so ask yourself, are you a positive agent for change? Are you contributing? And I loved your sentence, serving. It's very different from feeling not good enough and doing it out of guilt. Once you've realized that you are love and that, you know, I want to, I want to share with you again, I've said it in numbers of interviews, well, in seminars, I've done guided meditations with children as well. I mean, mostly with adults, but with children alike, this particular one around the purpose of life. So, you know, it's a favorite question. People want to know what am I here on earth to do? And usually what they want to be told is, you know, you need to be a shoemaker, you need to be a, a politician, a street, whatever, you know, something that we can do with our life. 
well, when I've done this guided meditation with children, so I guide them into their union outside of time and space with their inner guidance system and they dive into the universe and come back with the illumination. They figured out, they said, ah, they're so excited. They figured out what they're here to do. And they're here to share love and light, love and light, greater love and light. And they're so excited because now they figured it out. Now, when I do the, guide, the same guided meditation with adults, you know, they go to the same place, they go and look and they come back and they go like, well, Ilona, share in the circle, um, you know, what I got is that I'm here to share love and light. I, I didn't come back with anything, you know, specific. And they're somewhat depressed about, you know, the lack of being told to be a shoemaker or something. And they're coming back with the same information. We're here to improve our capacity to shine more light and share more love than ever before. And that's the measure of our evolution. That's the measure of our progress. Not how many millions of dollars yes. we made, not how many goals we could right. cross off our list. However, because I am also in the business of helping people create a better life and become a greater being through our goals that we set. We increase our capacity to, because we have to believe in ourselves, love ourselves, forgive others, and mend our previous wounds, like you said, and merge the old into the potential fulfillment of the new future and become our newer radiant self with the outcome sharing greater love and greater light and so in the bigger picture of the purpose in life and evolution and i thank you for writing about it speaking to us here about it today there is a fundamental confusion in many world religions where we come from what we're here to do a lot of people a lot of religions speak about tolerance and love but we don't realize that it's the central theme of evolution it's like, it's like the capacity of a vibratory being. The higher your vibrancy goes, the more you can encompass greater time space and greater polarities. And with greater polarities, you can embrace, you have more compassion for what is apparently lesser below your vantage point of vibration. So I yes. your your summary and your experience is exquisite in outlining what we truly are, what we do with past mishappens, and where we need to focus in the future, and what the cosmology is, God, soul, creation. And the cycle of living, it's not about evaporating into nirvana or samadhi and stopping creation, as many Eastern religions have us believe, which right. you, you pointed out so beautifully. It's about co-creating, but increasingly more beautiful understandings yeah. of love and light. Mm, so wonderful. Yes, yes. And... Yeah there was certainly an aspect of the neutral, the neutral force mm -hmm. to that love. Um, uh, the neutrality, it's not an absence of anything. It's more, it's a, it's a kind of wholeness that I would say people referred to this neutral force as divine love. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't have, you know, the full, 
complete understanding of it yet, but I know that there is a kind of, you know, people say, you know, beyond duality, beyond polarity, there is this neutral force. And I believe that I was tapping into this soul consciousness that does generate from beyond polarity mm-hmm. and does embrace all of and yet all of the polarity also as part of um, the dance, you know, that allows us to grow because it's like the same. Yeah. How does God God know it's exactly. only through creating an other exactly. so that it can be the mirror God yeah exactly and exactly it's almost like the aloneness of god births forth its children into fractals millions of zillions of fractals of reflective aliveness of god embodied in in constant co-creative expression and i uh, you know it's in that grace of freedom that yeah all things are possible all things and only then will there be the possibility of reflecting to source it can also go out away you know and that's usually what we term suffering uh, facing away from the source and seeking more individuation for the self-gratification creates that's what creates suffering. It's returning the gaze towards the source and reflecting itself as part of the source. It's humbling in some way and empowering in another. That's when we experience happiness and fulfillment. But this, this yes, shift, yes. that is our choice. That's the individual choice. That's the, in the, you know, it's embedded in the movement, the externalization and the return the in-breath and out-breath of God. But we individually in our lives, and this is what we can take home, we can make a choice to return our gaze to the source. Any moment, whether we know what God feels like, looks like, is like, we can just say, God, whatever this greater force is, please show me, teach me, guide me. Right? Yes. Beautiful, yes. And when you do that, your presence can actually liberate others because you're reminding others can recognize that truth because you're shining that not so others can see you but so others can see themselves beautiful 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 so tell me a little bit about that aspect of service um oddly enough you know i i am a I I try to strike my life in a balance between doing and being, but I do fault to the doing part because I just feel like I came down with a mission. And I would like to add my little recollection, my strong recollections of my past lives yeah. because it dovetails so much with yours in a little bit, but I wanted to make sure we gave your story ample time. And um, the uh, so when we serve tell us a little bit about that how that has to or maybe not has to do with doing or not doing tell us you wrote about it in your book as well so let's hear more about that part being the good girl you know yeah being the good girl versus service you know the two different ways of being of service oh okay um so you described so, your past as being the good girl and trying to do the good things and hiding not to be seen, seeking approval. And then you oh, also, okay. Okay. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, sort of carving my own path. Um, and, and in choosing 
to allow um, the love, you know, as we say, you know, there's only God loving itself through us. So in choosing to allow that, what I realized is that my great service to life and how I use this in, in, in my practice now as an intuitive medium is simply to come from all of this, this place from which I learned these great principles is to simply hold that space open for others, to hold that open for others. And in allowing and creating that space, what happens is I don't approach people from this place of you're broken or you need to be fixed or there's anything wrong with you. I approach my healing practice and my service to the world from a place of knowing that I am connected to divine love. And through my connection, I'm simply reminding others that they are loved perfectly right in this moment for who they are. They're not broken. And from that place, what happens is the wounds and all of the fears and the traumas and all the things that we're hanging on to, um, it's like there's a grace and a mercy that comes in. Mm -hmm. And if the person is ready, if they're ready, a healing will take place and there are tears and there is a, a surrender, you know, and people have um, a lot of misconceptions about surrender because we think of surrender as, you know, giving up, um, you know, waving the white flag. We're, we're, we're giving, uh, giving over ourselves to a higher authority, but really the, the meaning of surrender, sir, means, um, it's higher and it's really or certainly I think to merge and um it's really about surrendering to something higher great that's and a beautiful 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 yes opening to a greater yes. flow yes 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 it's oh to render to render I think is to merge and then sir means something higher mm. so it's to merge with something higher Yes, that's yeah. what surrender is. So I see my service as to help people to let go of the armor, the armor that they're trying to um, use to really protect themselves yes. from, you know, we've all been hurt. And you're hurt, we build these layers of armor to try to um, separate ourselves from the world and from being hurt again and all of this armor creates blocks to actually this love that wants to reach us and flow through us yes. and so all that can happen for healing is truly surrender surrendering the armor allowing ourselves to be vulnerable which takes tremendous courage and when that happens the love comes in and healings happen and it's not up to me i don't decide whether someone will receive a healing i make the connection and i open the space and 
I say, thy will be done. And I have witnessed miraculous, miraculous healings with individuals who come to me um, as clients. And it is truly um, such an honor and such a privilege. And I would say um, it, it's, it's not about an agenda of healing anybody. Right. It's about just holding the mirror, as you said, the mirror for us to see ourselves as we truly are yeah. and our, our, our full the expression of our full divinity. So you've shifted from being the good girl, pleasing other people to get the love that you had shielded yourself from by feeling guilty for past deeds. And through your near-death experience, you've opened to receiving the love that's unconditional that then allows you to say, okay, from now on forward, I will shine this light out instead of the self-judgment. I will allow to be this mirror for others. And that is now your gift. And no more seeking the love because you draw from the source. You give it now. You become like yeah. the sunlight to others. And they then can get, you know, feel the warmth of that divine love and in your presence open up to the sunlight themselves. Yes. Mm. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and allow, you know, and sometimes I'll be with a person and um, somebody recently, their mother passed away and the mother was a very... Um, unhappy person, very uh, angry, resentful, um, felt that everyone had abandoned her and resented the daughter for leaving as children grow and move on. She never forgave her. It was just this mm. sense of um, mm -hmm. and I was working with this woman. I just, her mother just sort of tapped me on the shoulder who had, who had passed on and wanted to relay certain messages to my client and most important message was that she realized when she had translated passed on that um that she had always been loved and she wanted my client to remember a time when they were happy together mm. and she gave me the of her with her daughter sitting by a tree and I told my client, she's telling me, your mother is telling me um, to remember this image of you sitting by a tree. And it turned out that um, wow. when my client was told that her mother had died, she went to the apartment and uh, it was filled with, you know, an inch thick of, of ash because the mother was a chain smoker. And through all the piles of things, um, she was looking for one piece of evidence because she had been estranged from her mother for many years. She was looking for one piece of evidence that her mother loved her. <laughs> so she's looking through the apartment. She finds, she finds out of all the, the junk, a picture of her with her mother sitting by a tree when she was a child. Wow. And wow. so this was confirmation. Definite confirmation. Yes. Yes. She finds, yes. That she's loved. Exactly. And this, these are the kind of miracles and she burst into tears and it was when I mentioned, you know, this image of being by the tree with her mother. Isn't that amazing? Knew. Isn't that she amazing knew. that we look for love instead of being the one who gives the love, we always seek to feel loved, you know? I mean, 
that's the tendency. And I think a lot of the resolution can come from tapping into the source of where love comes from, which is always a notch higher than our current incarnation. Even in a relationship, we need to build a triad between us as individuals down here, each at the bottom of the triangle, in the singularity, in the divine, that's where true love exists, not down here. Down here, we are human, we have our egos, and we can co operate. But in the union of the light in God, and individually in the union with God, we receive the love to then give to the world, to become the light to others. And interesting, the daughter came home to her mom's house to find evidence that her mom loved her, whereas the mom constantly wanted to reflect to the daughter that she needed to be getting signs to be loved by her daughter. And in the end, both of them, you know, rejoiced in, in or the mother initiated the yeah. message through you that she was wanting to remember that love, that caring love. moment. That's what really mattered. That moment mattered. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. And that's what was found amongst the ash of the life. Wow. And amazing. All the debris, exactly. Uh, the amazing. Amazing. Yes. Silana, as we're speaking, and for people who've hung in here with us for this long, uh, can you just give us the name of your website? I'm sure... We will have it always posted somewhere here. But if it's just a podcast, somebody sitting in the car, do you have an easy website to remember? I do. It's so easy. It's just my name, which is S-I-L-A-N-A dot org. Silana dot org. Easy. Okay, perfect. Good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, if people want to get in touch with your mediumship, with your intuitive guidance and sit with you and reflect with you there, whatever burdens that ail them, that burden them to relieve themselves of that oppression to open up to a greater light. Like you said, all it takes mm -hmm. is us basically kneeling in front of our divine source and saying, you know, I'm ready, open up, surrender and receive and oh, receive so that infinite amount of love yes, that we can yes, yeah absolutely yes. and and i know you'd mentioned a time in your life where you were struggling with self-love and you had manifested some illness well yeah that, you um, know it wasn't an obvious self-love um issue for me but uh, i had Technically speaking, uh, we ha our house had gotten sprayed with uh, an illegal um, chemical. Um, it ca was called Vapona, but uh, they didn't tell us the side effects. So I suffered the side effects, which then created lymph swelling up and creating tumors and all sorts of things. But my healing happened in a similar way as yours. I wasn't taken to the hospital, but I went into, I, I had fevers and I was laying in bed and I was like going, you know, very... Um, you know, already halfway out there. And I went into deep reverie and I said, uh, what happened? You know, where? And I started talking and using this newfound technique that I discovered from Dr. Vern Wolf, I started speaking with the pains and the aches, the, the tumors themselves that had formed were not, you know, lymph, lymph swollen things. And um, I don't want to call them necessarily even tumors. They were 
big nodules. And, um, mm -hmm. and I asked what happened and I, it took me back and back and back in time. And it showed me this entire film of having come to planet earth and apparently collaborated quite a number of times through different lifetimes as, um, or as seeing the genetic manipulation of our very, you know, 450,000 years ago. Primates, then 250,000 years ago, uh, creating greater primates and then creating more and more the race that then provided, um, that was one vision. So it's two, two, it came in two parts. So I, I took that incredible agony of guilt that I felt and I dialogued with God and what came back from God was look you did what you believed was the right thing in the moment to perpetuate consciousness your intention at the time was believing that it would further the seed of consciousness into matter that was the belief of that being yes. then. Now, perspective now was like, well, we were enslaving and using eventually the races. And, but I mean, that came in another dream much more clear. And so the issue that I faced was having to go into um, a sense of self-forgiveness and acceptance of that God wasn't judging me that there was no judgment, yes. that there was no sense of mm -hmm. what was required though was a learning. And it wasn't uh, mm -hmm. a sense of you need to suffer from self-reprimandation. It was like, now go on, learn from it, let go of the guilt, but do the right thing. Yeah. So now the self-forgiveness yes. applies yeah. to the past, the learning applies to the future. And then Shortly thereafter, I had this profound dream, and it was a recollection of I was in outer space, I was in a space capsule place, whatever it was, that was white and had these uh, cubicles that were like holes that were breakout rooms, and I was summoned into one, and I was I was belonging to a guiding, a, a leader race. I was pale, tall. I had very elongated head. So we had a bigger skull than what we have here as humans. And I did not have hair. We, and as a matter of fact, what I saw is we had, I would call it reddish type of skulls. And what I recall is we had, I had, I believe what I would interpret now as reddish type of irises. Now, I was summoned there as part of a group of five. And whoever was our superior had summoned us for interrogation. And what they did is, and I'm not sure how this happened, but they were able to scan our looking into eyes. They scanned our history. And they summoned me and scanned, and I knew I was being found out. What had happened was that I was working as this alien race that was what we had, and I'd seen this earlier in the part of the dream, we had a serving race, which was about half our size. They had backpacks on and they were our slaves. Slaves, they were work robots. I would have called them bio robots. I would, at that being at that level, we thought of them as lesser than us, bio robotics and helping us to do whatever we needed to get done. Now, um, and I think they were more like what we would have as the grays, the grays type of, you know, 
little ETs. Mm -hmm. And I do think that yes. the ETs are biorobotics. They were not insold. I do believe that what I yes. saw were, yes. were not actual humans that we had created, but we had biorobotics. So beyond that, beyond that, we had yes. used the humans to give us gold and to mine for us. Now, I, as this being, was actually um, an internal agent fighting against my own kind, and I had fought for the liberation of the humans. And this mm -hmm. act of fighting for the liberation of, of humans had brought me into this interrogation room. Once they found out and they scanned my eyes and they mm -hmm. saw all the history and everything I'd done, and I'm not sure if it was chip implanted, mm -hmm. whether there was a camera, whether it was bionic, I don't know. They knew. And once they'd found out who the culprit of this mess was that was starting to liberate the humans and was undermining their dominance over humans, they then took me to a special room in which they would, I would term now, put me into the vacuum chamber. They, I slid, in my dream, I saw it as sliding through a slit out into the cosmic vacuum. So we were, I'm pretty sure, in a spaceship that was out in outer space. When I slipped out, I lost consciousness and I was then found myself back as a cloud over planet Earth. And from the cloud, I coalesced and became the next human incarnation. Actually, I came into this human body. And at age 10, I recall having then interactions with my sister, whether I was walked in at that age because i do recall my life early on from age mm -hmm. under two years you know two years old minimally between two and three i have a whole story of memories that i know because i was mm -hmm. born in the himalayas and um so the the memory of having then fought for oh and then and then and then i was given the download afterwards it's like the gold, the pile of gold that humans were providing the aliens was uh, needed for their power source or fuel of some sort. And I mean, who knows? It could have been any sort, but I re had reduced it by half due to my actions. Now that they weren't very happy with that and they ousted me. Now I'm living as a human and I am getting to be on the other side of the stick, right? I am in the race for which I fought and which yes. I also maybe as a geneticist created to, which then became a slave race, which then became liberated. But I'm also having to look at it now and go and say, I think we messed up. I think we forgot a couple genes. I think we need to turn on a couple gene keys because uh, we're multiplying yes. like, like mice or rats and we need to know that the resources are limited. We, we can't pretend that we have an ash can as a universe. No, I mean, it doesn't exist. You know, we are responsible for our karmic actions. So these were two different events, but from that self-forgiveness of who I thought I'd been and what I'd done wrong, I healed. That's the moment yes. where I turned around, similar to you, where I respected my lessons, learned, moved on and forgave. I mean, what now I'm, human anyways, you know, forgave the past wrongdoing that I still carried as an emotional guilt. Similar to your story, mm -hmm. it's like the allowance of that love and then acting and, you know, and also this question when people say, where are you from? I always go like, I'm, I'm from the source. 
God, I mean, Pleiades, Atlantis. <laughs> I, I can't recall right. Atlantis. You know, I was never, I wasn't on Atlantis. <laughs> Whoever says they were there, I wasn't there. I think it's the future. Anyways, I, you know, it's like, where are we from? Are we from one planet? We're all from source, God. We're, we're, we're incarnated consciousness. So, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yes, we're all from source. So true. Yes. Mm. I love your story. Of, it, I, how, how amazing. It, it reminds me of uh, an epic movie, really, or book. I mean, it's just, wow. Yeah. It's amazing. And it shows how, like, similar to you, we, well, you know, I carried with me, and I actually, even before you, you noticed, I had shared with you a couple notes uh, before our interview. But I was like sitting here going, how much do I really want to reveal? You know, how much do I really want to have that word out there are tons of multi-dimensional stories i don't have not shared i might come out one day um i have shared yes. them i have shared yes. them in seminars verbally i've just not put them out in writing mm. yeah you know yes. i do think we're approaching an era where we understand that these things were possible and are likely and a lot of humans are trying to understand where did we come from six thousand years ago a history yes. oh my god it's not likely yes. And the history that's been the history that's been written down is, of course, all been sort of manipulated now because yeah. of new evidence. You yes. know, and of course, you know Michael Primo's good in archaeology and all of these other books that yeah. revealing the truth about our history. So fascinating. As and we're capable of accepting of, it, yes. Exactly. Right. Right. And there is definitely this exponential speeding up that we're all aware of. I think we're all aware of the quickening, <laughs> that there is something happening that is speeding up the pace of our need to wake up and resolve why we came here. And I think a lot of the, the issues that don't get resolved do show up physically in the form of disease and illness or unhappiness simple unhappiness so depression and anything yeah yeah anything anything absolutely yes and um in in my case of what actually created my near-death experience my health crisis um ended up revealing a virus that had been in my body for many many years that i intuited um, that was finally coming to the fore and causing bigger issues. And I was able to then deal with the virus in correctly knowing how to eliminate it from my body. So this okay. was the opportunity. Yes. Um, it was attacking my central nervous system. So the central nervous system was being attacked. Ah. And in, in addressing it directly, this experience, I, I, for the first time, it was like this, this sort of angst that had always been there, this sort of sense of, uh, you know, my nervous system being out of balance and, um, you know, this, this underlying anxiety Alert. was gone. Wow. Wow. Yes. Wow. Incredible. From the, and how many yeah. people have described that when they, uh, actually similar to your experience of the NDE was LB's uh, neuro, uh, neuro, surgeon who absolutely did not believe in soul did 
not believe in other dimensions, who got this virus that got him to flatline and go out of body and have experiences outside of the uh, operating room with knowledge of what happened elsewhere that he shouldn't have had? Should we only have a brain and only be local biological structures? You know, he started having perceptions of other rooms as a neurosurgeon comes back and writes to the world that now he's seen the light you know and he sees that we are sentient consciousnesses living from another dimension through into the physical a neuro and he felt he was given that virus just so he could have that experience to share with the world it's not what was his name lb i love yeah, I'm trying to remember. I know his story was very popular. Yeah. Um, the uh, the neurosurgeon, yeah, I could look it up. But it's, LB, it's, I believe it is. Uh, but yeah, it would be helpful for some readers maybe to follow up reading his book because, you know, we love listening to doctors with white coats and he felt that because of his position and absolute denial of anything beyond the physical and beyond the brain, which is a raging debate. You know, the transhumanists want us to believe that uh, the brain is something that we can map and then transfer into computers as if the act neurological patterning in the brains makes our soul and can be transferred, no less, into a computer program, which can mimic... Which can mimic, which can mimic the pattern but doesn't have the, the source. No, and there's, there's no animating presence. So right. how is it possible? Yes, there's nothing there. Yeah, and I think the gentleman's name is Eben Alexander. Or Eben uh, yes, Alexander. yes, that's it, Eben Alexander. Alexander. Yes, Eben thank you. And what's the title of the book? Do you see that? Um, yes, it's Proof of Heaven. Proof a of Heaven. Surgeon's journey into the afterlife. Yes, wonderful. So yes, I loved what you said. He's thought the purpose of his virus was to get him to that place, which of course I knew that I had also this, this entire experience was set up and the virus and everything was set up so that I could have this experience. And what you're helping people to do is open up to that, to that source because you've been there and you know that viscerally. So when people sit with you in Skype sessions or in person, you emanate, you, like you said, you mirror that state, that frequency, so people don't have to go through drama and dramatic drama. illnesses Yeah, to get the opening themselves to the source. Yes, and, and I believe we do transfer our experience to others if they are open. We transfer the, the download, the experience. It, I, I love those two energy. things. Yes. yes. You know, what in the past gurus and teachers have been when they give initiations is taking the student and vibrated their soul to a new platform of frequency that then the student tastes yes. it and is like, okay, uh, now I got it. And now they go home and have to practice that reignition themselves go there you know yes 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 so exactly it is it's bringing them into resonance with it and then they it's up to each individual to integrate that into their being if they want to carry it that's further. it yes. that's otherwise it. it's a seed 
Yes, yeah. yes. And that allows yes. each person to grow instead of thinking that we're becoming dependent on a healer, a whatever guru. It's we get initiated into mm -hmm. remembering that state and then we open ourselves to that similar frequency and then we can become independently empowered ourselves. Yes, I love that. Independently empowered. Yes, we have the choice. Yeah. Yes. Ah, uh, beautiful. Thank and you so much. Yes, yes. So I love that you've come into service through accepting the love in yourself and making, you know, being good as you are, being sufficient because you are that the, the divine is already happy that you just exist and because of your existence, you're constantly creating something, you know, awareness is thank your you. gift. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you. And awareness is our gift. Yes. And, and when we talk about self love, it's, it's truly this awareness that we are loved, not for any of the things that you mentioned that we, and do. we do not have to earn or deserve love. Love is our birthright. <sighs> Love is who we are. That's the secret. Yeah, and I feel that being the eyes and appreciating creation is the great, almost the greatest job we can do for the source. It's like, like you said, we bring back yes. the, the library of our experiences and seeing the beauty and seeing beauty in creation creates more of the beauty, but also feeds mm. back to headquarters. You know, we become the feedback loop to headquarters. Exactly. That's right. And that was one, yeah, the big revelation is our, the question, are, why don't you enjoy your life? It was an invitation oh, to remember this wow. natural state of joy that we all, it's in our, it's in the, the very substance of how we're created is through joy. Yes. So how can wow. we not enjoy our lives and it's not based on uh, conditions we have access to this all of us all the time right now right now mm -hmm. i love mm -hmm. it i love it so it, it's just like so deep it's like the real life. i want to go out i want to just sit by the river and go god yes. it's beautiful it's beautiful it's beautiful it's beautiful thank you thank you thank you and <laughs> bathe in the love and then go out and do i mean you know whether i do an interview i teach i do whatever and this is the part of living our purpose our talents well they you mm. can figure them out through numerology you can figure them out through mm. a combination of analyzing the numbers of your name and the dates of your birth and you can go look up dan millman's book the life you were born to live he has a great app and you can figure out what the fundamental learning mm. lessons are and what your talents are it's between like uh, my quintessential number is a 30 which is a three and i'm here to inspire other through creativity arts design speak speech whatever i'm here to inspire through sharing through emotions yes. and the the internal and that is my purpose now i can do that as yes. a writer i can do that on stage i can do that maybe even by creating theater plays or by creating clothing maybe clothing less, but that is part of my talent, right? Mm. So I can design, I can write, I can speak, I can feel others, I can read people's yeah. minds. These are my talents. My over uh, inspiring is my overarching purpose. Mm. But underneath of it all, it has to do with, like you said, it's 
feeling the love and sharing the love, feeling the light and becoming the greater light. That is the ultimate yes. expression. Yes. Beautiful, Ilona. Yes. And you're transferring it through your being. Yes. It's like that saying, if your presence doesn't do it, nothing will. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So we can all take this home that we open ourselves up in surrender to the divine, ask for help and start that dialogue uh, to the greater source and start also active, reflectively forgiving or accepting that which is, was, and seeing yeah, the beauty, yeah. seeing the beauty and, around us. And surrendering. Yeah. So true, so true. And, and actively, as you said, self-forgiving, and that which is, um, whatever it is that we're, we're not able to let go of, that we mm -hmm. feel is standing in the way, to know that surrender is a real power. Or there yes. is a power in surrender and, and we're willing to let go of to yep go ahead and <laughs> yeah and and doing it maybe with a person who's gone through that process before us actually saying you know i need help i would like to sit i would like to have someone who vibrates that for me sits with me and opens the gates and sit with them in session opening to the divine together because uh, yes. most people, you know, just sitting by themselves down in a living room going, okay, where do I start, you know, with my surrender? How do I do that? You know, it's nice to have people like you offering sessions to people to sit in that presence together with. Yes. And to be able to see that I, I feel so blessed that I can I can see where the obstructions are, right. the energy flow and why they're and as that book sort of opens to me, um, if the person is there and comes to me and finds me, they are ready. That's it. And I know they're ready to receive. Yes. Exactly. Thank you so much, Silana. I really appreciate you sharing your story, your insights, and your real deep fundamental eternal truths that you've shared in this interview. I feel so grateful that you did that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such an honor and such a gift. Yeah. I have enjoyed every moment with you. Same. And wow, such, such beauty and Thank you. blessings. Blessings to everybody who has watched here. Blessings for all the time that you've taken to listen to this. Take whatever you can. Take the nuggets. Practice. In the practice, we evolve to become greater expressions of the divine. Namaste. And if you want to connect with Silana, silana.org. And you will find probably the link below uh, for her website as well. Thank you so much, Silana. See you another time. Thank you. Yes. Blessings. Okay. Blessings. Bye. Bye.